Welcome one and all to another episode of Left Turn Canada. Andy Borkowski, Christo Evelis here, bringing you the latest news and info that affects Canadians from a leftist perspective. It has been a very, very busy week here in Canada. The Canadian issues have been pushed to the almost international forefront with this uh, trucker convoy only to have the story jump once again with Trudeau ushering in the Emergencies Act. I was expecting literal stormtroopers to to kick down my door based on my ignorance (laughs) of it. But thankfully, I realized I have a historian in my back pocket that can tell me everything I need to know about whether or not this is, you know, a a huge overstep or the, the ins and outs, I guess, of an action like this, which is... I think, pretty unprecedented, right? Yeah, well, in a way, it is certainly unprecedented. Basically, in Canada, we used to have something called the War Measures Act. It was famously used, you know, often during wars, but also used by Pierre Trudeau uh, during the uh, the uh, FLQ crisis, the October crisis uh, in Quebec in 1970, where the, you know, the FLQ group uh, took hostages and planted bombs and uh, used it then, it was a massive overreach. Uh, even if it had wide public support at the time, it was opposed by much of the left, and it was abused by the Trudeau government. Uh, in response to that, uh, it was felt that there needed to be new legislation that gave the possibility of emergency powers, mm-hmm. but was not as wide-reaching and total as the War Measures Act. Uh, and so with that in mind, in, I believe, 1988, the federal government passed the Emergencies Act, which um, gives the government uh, some temporary powers, some of them which are wide-reaching, and some of which can sort of leapfrog over federal or provincial and municipal jurisdictions, but which is still, for the most part, uh, you know, subordinate to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. In 1970, there was no Charter of Rights and Freedoms, mm-hmm. and the War Measures Act largely suspended a lot of basic human rights. Uh, this, uh, at least uh, according to the letter of the law, uh, does not do that. It is less uh, a totalitarian piece of legislation mm-hmm. than the original War Measures Act. Now, that doesn't mean people are uh, are going to support it. It doesn't mean you have to support it. But it is not the War Measures Act that was used, you know, in our parents' day. Yeah, and a lot of the... Um, I guess legitimacy, legitimizing this measure has been the idea that the military will not be called. I believe Trudeau even said that point blank, that that is not his uh, hope by doing this. And I know uh, girl boss, we know her and love her, Christia Friedland, went out and said this is about ensuring that the payment processes that supported the convoy and other far right services with the Emergencies Act can be kind of handled a little more uh, directly, and I think in the last week, I don't think this broke since our our previous show. There was some leaks and some hacks that suggested that more than half of the donations that were directed to the convoy, one of the many donation sites where this happened, but more than half of them came from American sources. Some outlets said, like, wow, look, this is still Canadian. But I think that was kind of maybe missing the point a little bit, that clearly there's an American influence on far-right activity here in Canada. So because those legitimacies were introduced, you know, do we just kind of have to take their word for it? Or the basis of what the Emergencies Act Act is, could all of a sudden the decision be made 
you know, more authoritarian responses with the military? I mean, I think that they were careful not to use the military. Yeah. Um, because that would the optics of that would be bad. The optics of, you know, using the military, which shouldn't be used against one's own civilians. The military is for, you know, defense or, a, you know, war against other nations. Um, I think that they were careful not to use that. Uh, there are, uh, we, we can look at some polling later, Angus Reid did some polling, other firms did some polling that said that a significant minority of Canadians would support the military going in, but it's it's not something I think the government was comfortable with. Um, but I think that what they are looking at is that uh, through a mixture of, you know, the lack of emergency powers, but also just legislation not moving as quickly as it might, you know, given that the internet moves faster than uh, Parliament does, um, there were some blind spots about how financial transparency and tracking is done with regard to uh, GoFundMe and other crowdfunding sources. And one of the powers they're using is to to, to, to apply that. Mm -hmm. uh, one concerning thing a lot of people have, and this is one of the things that I think a lot of people are looking at as one of the things that uh, may, uh, you know, violate rights and, and maybe a bridge too far is that the government can, if they suspect that an, a bank account is being used to facilitate um, the, you know, illegal blockades and, and, and what have you, uh, that it could be uh, temporarily suspended, mm -hmm. which is, you know, effectively being able to cut the funds, cut the financial access of individuals and institutions, uh, which uh, is, is something that typically is not done without, say, a warrant or something mm -hmm. like that, right? Uh, and so those powers are big. And I'm not sure if this is exactly connected to the Emergencies Act itself or was just something Christia Freeland mentioned uh, with regard to the consequences, which may be rooted into provincial legislation that will actually be enforced, mm. but that uh, professional licenses could be taken as well. People have been warned that if your truck is being used in the blockade, that truck's license may be revoked. Yeah. Um, you know, rendering it and the driver in many cases, uh, you know, uh, unemployable within the trucking industry. Because as many know, maybe maybe people don't know that you 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 need specialized licenses mm -hmm. to drive these trucks, right? You can't just get your driver's license you get at 16 and drive these trucks. Uh, the licenses can can take time to get and. Uh, you know, if you lose them, you're effectively shut out of the industry. It's like losing your law license mm -hmm. or losing your, your medical license. Uh, it's, you know, you're, you're effectively disbarred from the industry. And so that's the extent of the powers. Now, again, they're still subject to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and they won't automatically apply everywhere, meaning that not everyone's bank account is being examined uh, and things of that sort. The uh, police powers insofar as they used will not just be used in a random town in, you know, uh, northern Quebec. Um, the government, I think, has uh, argued that it's going to apply specifically to, you know, downtown Ottawa and potentially to border areas if there are border blockades. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that's the the, the government's argument. Yeah, well, um, let, let's course, get into a, it because it yeah. is actually a pretty interesting debate. I've seen a lot of persuasive takes on either side from a leftist perspective saying, that, you know, this is something that is completely legitimate or this is abhorrent and and shouldn't be considered. One of my biggest takeaways after uh, looking at this and, and hearing some of the, the loudest voices on either side is that it seems like activities like this and far worse and I think you were you were speaking to this as well, are already happening to indigenous people and black and brown people by the authoritative military police. It almost seems like this is a show for people to get upset about that and not have that same consideration for the evils and overreach that are already happening, that are supported by the government and have been happening for, you know, decades here in Canada and are, are absolutely authoritative and militarized and, and kind of designed to inflict terror against, you know, these forces that are trying to do legally what is allowed. So it, it is odd to uh, see... I guess so much support with it when this is already happening to too many Canadians. They didn't need the Emergencies Act to have overreach to certain Canadians. It almost is yeah. a, a little cynical because they needed to do it to, uh, you know, deal with pampered white people that cannot work for two weeks at a time, right? That are singing and dancing in Ottawa, but they don't need this sort of measure to actually, you know, inflict damage against the people that they already are. Uh, what's your take on this? I mean, I think one reason this is happening is, is that there was a, a failure of local government in particular, but to a lesser degree, but notable degree, still provincial government. One of the arguments about an emergencies act is that, you know, there's an emergency that you need these powers and that there's a failure of, the existing structures to get the job done. Now, one of the reasons there's a failure was the incompetence of the Ottawa police. Uh, you might call it malice in some case, active mm -hmm. uh, collaboration in some cases with the uh, convoy uh, folks. But the reality, and, and such that, and this happened earlier today, the chief of police in Ottawa is resigning. I don't know if they've formally resigned yet, but they they've said they they plan to resign. Yeah, uh, just you know, some inside baseball right? on that one too. He was I don't know if you remember this, Christo, but he was the second in command and was going to be the presumptive candidate to be the the chief of police in Toronto, but he Mark Saunders beat him out years ago because apparently he was a little too uh, progressive. Like that was the idea for Toronto, and then we've actually seen what happened out in Ottawa with him. So I, I, it's amazing to think what other police chiefs are like then if this guy was seen as too progressive. Yeah. And so I think that in general, um, one of the arguments is that uh, if the local governments and provincial governments are failing, it gives the federal government a greater uh, legal and moral and political legitimacy in using the legislation. Um, and because whether it's cracking heads of homeless people or of G20 protesters or of indigenous land defenders is something broadly shared by all segments of the capitalist class <laughs> in this country, um, they often don't need that. The police love cracking those people's heads. If it's about shutting down the right to strike and bargain collectively, the liberals and conservatives will often get that done very quickly. 
In this case, I think in part the police sympathy with the protesters, the the, the convoy occupiers, um, created a situation in which you needed these emergency powers. At least that's well, that's one argument to actually shut them down because traditional policing wasn't working because the police either were unwilling or unable or both to actually do their jobs, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's one argument. Now, um, and again, I in many ways, these powers, while I think people can have concerns, and, I, and rightfully so in some ways, but I don't see this as any more violationist, for lack of a better term, violative, mm-hmm. uh, violating that's probably the better word actually uh then then what what we're seeing happen to workers every single day we've seen justin trudeau um legislate workers back to work literally what's in the charter of rights and freedoms the right to strike and bargain collectively it's not literally in the script but it's been read in by the supreme court uh that the freedom of assembly includes the right to strike and bargain collectively they are fundamental human rights every bit as fundamental as any other right in the charter and justin trudeau frequently and other uh, federal governments and other provincial governments have done this they've just tore up that part of the charter Mm -hmm. right Justin Trudeau did it to port workers. We covered that. He's done it to postal workers. We've covered that. Um, that's Ford a fundamental violation so too, yeah. of the right to free assembly. Mm-hmm. Fundamental right to the violation of free assembly. And we didn't have this big up in arms moment. The reason they didn't use the Emergencies Act there wasn't because they were they 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 wanted to be harder on the convoy people. It's because they didn't need to use it there. Um, in addition, I think another fact, we, here in Ontario even, we have Bill 124, which effectively bans the right to bargain collectively for millions or hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Ontario workers, many of whom in the private sector, basically, um, while, while retaining the quote-unquote you know, dance of collective bargaining, workers are in most cases banned from demanding more than a certain percentage you know, per year. Yeah. So in effect, it is illegal... It is made illegal by government decree for workers to meaningfully have the autonomy to demand in collective bargaining a certain wage. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's 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 a violation of their fundamental rights. Far more ri- wide-reaching, affecting far more people uh, in a, over a longer period of time than some truck goons um, having their bank accounts potentially frozen. Mm-hmm. Remember, no one's... No, you're, you're, so... Um, in my view, I think while this is concerning in some ways, and I feel people have a right and, and, and to some degree a responsibility to be vigilant against the Emergencies Act, the reality is the government does worst all the time. And I know the counter to that will be like, just because something's bad doesn't mean we should allow something also bad to happen. And that's true. But I think that's an important perspective that is being lost. Mm-hmm. So I think even if your ultimate conclusion is still... The Emergencies Act is bad and should not be used either at all or in this case. Um, pretending that it's something out of the ordinary in Canada is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Because this happens to working class people every day. If you're a teacher or you work at a university in this province, in effect, your rights every single day are being violated more than what's going to happen under this Emergency Act. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Mm-hmm. No, I, no, I think that's, bill, yeah. that's interesting. That that last yeah. that last take there of just like this is already happening to you. This keeps happening, which makes me wonder yeah. about the the pantomime of 
all of these actions? Because what have we seen since this has been announced or even threatened to be announced, but professional victims of the alt-right saying that, you know, who is the real uh, destroyer of civil liberties and wanting to bring down democracy, Justin Trudeau. And we've also seen some some die in the wool uh, liberal supporters saying, like, finally, there there's a strong hand here. Meanwhile, everyone else is getting shit on constantly by these same actions without this grand gesture of pantomime. So I'm, I'm just wondering if maybe, you know, this kind of feeds into that that general back and forth because as you've said many times here on this show Justin Trudeau's choices and actions while he's been prime minister has directly led to the quagmires that we're in right now because we have a system that will almost always unless you know stars align pretty effectively just have handoffs and passes and ensures that conservatives will get majorities here in Canada that it'll just oh, yeah, go back and forth yeah. and yeah, like a hundred percent. Yeah. And like, look like Jagmeet Singh was right to say, and the NDP and uh, I've spoken with some MPs just, you know, personally, I, I, it looks like the NDP is united with Singh in supporting this legislation. Although Singh was right to say that there of course are concerns and they're going to be vigilant about it. And further, I think that, you know, this is because of a failure. Mm-hmm. This legislation wouldn't have been needed without a without more proactive efforts by the federal government, uh, provincial government, and municipal government. Mm-hmm. Um, and in reality, I think, like, you know, if anything, I think a more appropriate use of the Emergencies Act would have been all the way back at the start of COVID, or at least once the provinces demonstrated an inability to do their jobs to provide health care and to provide emergency medical services and to provide all of those benefits. Uh, that would have been a far more, uh, you know, uh, appropriate use, although likely a far more wide ranging use. Yeah, well, that, but, that's you know, but, my biggest yeah. takeaway here is and I think the uh, one minor party, but the Communist Party of Canada had very similar sentiments that if this is going to be enacted and used in this situation, it should have been and needs to be used to deal with the existential threat of climate change here in Canada. Like if now the door is open, do you think that will maybe allow, because like we said, it is relatively Oh, no, no, I can, no, no, it's it's never going to happen. Never going to happen, even though you open the door, no shot. No, no, liberals will never use emergency powers to do uh, positive things. Do you think if he was Oh, well, maybe, but I, I mean, but like that's, that's, that's one, I mean, There'll be challenges to that legal baseball. challenges, yeah. but but look, look, you're right. In a sense, you're correct. Like, and the Communist Party, and there's a there's a piece by Nora Loretto in Passage, uh, who was who is called for that that, that this is a mistake uh, making, and I think this is the counter argument is that, and as we've noted, in some ways, maybe you don't need these powers. Mm-hmm. That if the you could find a way to get police to do their jobs get the roads cleared. You don't necessarily need to use the Emergencies Act to shut down the protests. And if you don't need to use it, again, we can have a debate, but if you, if the argument is you don't need to use it, then you shouldn't use it. And the Communist Party is arguing that uh, the, um, the, the Emergencies Act is not necessary. It will infringe on civil liberties. That the best way to shut things down in many ways... Um, is to uh, is to 
you know, work with communities. And 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 to be fair, we did see one of the best moments of this was uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of people in Ottawa and in other cities across Canada, you know, launching counter protests. Yeah, doing what the police wouldn't do, and, right? Yeah, it and was kind uh, of amazing. And, and 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 finding some success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the Communist Party is is making the point that you know. Uh, you know, the antidote for a people's recovery is good jobs, increased pensions and wages. And I mean, I definitely think that with the Emergencies Act, you could make the case that while what is happening today is an emergency, it's less of an emergency than COVID broadly. Mm-hmm. And Justin Trudeau, I mean, he's done this. Canada, I think at the federal level, has recognized that climate change is an emergency. Mm-hmm. And if it's an emergency... Why not use the Emergencies Act to declare war? <laughs> it's in the title. On Come on, cl- climate change, right? <laughs> I mean, that's an argument people have made that, in effect, you need to t- you need to retool the economy like we did in 1939 mm-hmm. to, like you know, to for to, to fight World War II. You need that fundamental retooling of the economy, nationalization, federal power being concentrated and magnified in a total war effort against climate change. I don't expect that to happen. And it's unlikely the Supreme Court or or the or or you get enough votes in Parliament, but the courts could very well say that that's too broad a definition of emergency powers. Like mm-hmm. to end climate change would be too broad potentially and, yeah. and could, would effectively allow you to have indefinite emergency powers uh, and so might be seen as a violation. There would have to be an incident. The there yeah. would have to be an Yeah, you'd have to have a specific yeah. goal as yeah. well, probably. You know, here's a specific incident and a specific set of goals. But in general, I mean, this is where we're at right now. I think that a lot of people on the left are opposing this, but it's not universal. It's mm-hmm. not universal. Few on the left are cheerleading this as an unambiguous good, but it ranges from, I think, opposition from many on the left to a, a begrudging support, a cautious support. Um, you know, because the, these powers could hypothetically be used for ill, could hypothetically be used against the left, but I'm not necessarily convinced. And, I, and I'm not often a fan of that argument where it's like if they use it against the, the right, they'll use it against us. Because, like, they'll always crush the left when they need to crush the left. Yeah, they don't like, need to use this to crush us. us. Yeah. Like, they already yeah. are. Yeah. This is, they need to do this because it's part of the pantomime. This, <laughs> or if they did need this, they would have just done it when the left got organized enough. The yeah. right being crushed by this does not make it any more likely they'll use it against us. At least that's my perspective. They're equally as likely to use it against us as they were four days ago. Yeah. I mean, one argument as well, uh, and and this was a, a you know because because again Nora made some good points. Um, I don't I don't fully agree with her piece, but it, it, there was a lot of persuasive points in that piece. But there was a good thread by Tyler Shipley, who is a you know an academic, a Canadian academic, uh, and member of the left, who had a really good thread, I think. That's sort of a counterpoint, not not to Nora particularly, but just uh, uh, about the left's worries around this. And he says, mm-hmm. I can appreciate people on the left worrying about the precedent set by the state invoking extra powers against the convoy because these will be used against the left. But guess what? The state already authorizes the RCMP to use lethal force against indigenous land defenders. The state already infiltrates left organizations. It already changes the rules to change to defeat labor strikes. It flaunts its own laws to crush major league mobilization, major left wing mobilizations like that against the G20. 
liberals briefly want to use the fascist police against the fascist mob, <laughs> and I'm not going to lose a ton of sleep over it. That's yeah. the ruling class fighting amongst themselves over how they want to rule. Our work should be building our own capacity to confront the right, which we lack right now. Now, of course, that people don't universally dis, uh, agree with that. And if you, you know, go to Taylor's uh, Tyler's page, and you um, and you read through, there's a lively debate in in uh, in the in the replies, which uh, is fantastic. And a lot of people I respect, you know, making points for and against his argument. But I think there's some validity there. Again, these protesters are not on our side and mm -hmm. i and and look part of me is like oh uh, uh, you know rights are rights whether or not we agree with those people and that is true but like i'm not i'm not gonna get myself stuck in some bad faith we have to yeah. defend all bullshit like i'm just like everyone's like oh we have to defend somebody's right to be a fucking asshole and 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 and, and possibly and a terrorist and, too yeah. like don't forget that and, like yeah and slur but no i'm just saying but like <laughs> we have to defend someone's right to be a fucking transphobe on the internet yeah. like it's the greatest human rights issue and it's like no i don't care the right the right is burning books in the united states now while crying about cancel culture mm -hmm. there's no good faith debate so I'm not going to waste my political energy or emotional energy or political capital defending the free speech of fascists. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. I can recognize on an academic and intellectual level that, yes, everyone has human rights, even people that disagree with me, even people that I find abhorrent, they do have human rights. But like, I don't think it's the left's goal and it shouldn't be our place to invest capital to defend capital. Like, we, you know what I mean? Like, we've already established that by and large, the, the driving force of this convoy, not everyone there, but the driving force is the capitalist class. Mm -hmm. They are largely capitalists, petty bourgeois. Some of them own large companies. Some of the donations are five, six figure donations from the United States and from all over Canada, from various types of capitalists. The highest profile defenders of this movement include politicians in the conservative party, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, all these major American politicians, Tucker Carlson, fucking literal fucking Nazis like Tucker Carlson. Mm -hmm. I am not going to worry about that. Like, I just, I'm not going to worry about that. And so fundamentally, this is like a civil war between capital. The <laughs> liberal government represents some interests of capital and the truckers, for lack of a better term, really the truck company owners represent a different segment of capital. This is a civil war among capital, yeah. right? And so I don't necessarily see it as like the left needs to take this bold and valiant stand in favor of the banking access <laughs> of a fucking truck company. I just, that's not, that's and the, you, know, you know, it's so interesting because the way it's know. actually been described too, the Emergencies Act itself doesn't have the teeth in which I think a lot of people are suggesting that it does. And even no, no, the people actions, have overstated. Yeah. Yeah. So and even, even in this case, though, yeah. Crystal, like even in this yeah. case, even if it was, you know, military action in that way, I still think your argument would stand. But with what actually is happening here, it's not even an active civil war between the capitalist class. It's like a pantomime with yeah. the frontline skirmishes. They don't, this act doesn't have the teeth that people think 
think it does. It, they're just going to pass the money and I, and unfortunately the power back and forth when it comes to this. And the fact that we're getting handcuffed by these arguments kind of shows a lack of, I don't know, connection to uh, real world organizing and like what, you know, these leftist ideals mean on paper versus their implementation, you know, in collectivism and, and, and you know, why you believe in these things. If you believe in these things, solely because you know it's an interesting thought experiment that is a you know an approach that's a valid approach but i think when we're getting shackled by these these restrictions you know the these voltarian flourishes about defending our rights to think this way like yes yeah everyone understands that like let's move a step for, further and say what is actually happening who is being quote unquote attacked and what is the possible damage here and i i just don't think that it is nearly as a gross misconduct as many leftists have suggested and ultimately end of the day I, I the argument for me kind of ends the second you say the government already does far worse to millions of canadians who are not of the capitalist class that like, is already I, happening yeah. so what's the I fucking point i don't know if the argument ends i i, I, me, look, I can ultimately i can ultimately f respect and 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 sympathize and even understand still despite our conversation where i think i am in the cautious support for the emergencies act at least as stated right now um i can certainly understand and respect why somebody would not want to support it like i again i've read the communist party statement i've read norris peace i've read other folks as well there are plenty of good reasons very good reasons to oppose this and again the people i most often agree with uh, are are finding themselves in general in opposition nonetheless i you know i don't know if this is as bad as people think it's going to be i don't think it sets a precedent against the left and um you know i think part of this is like a lot of people uh through through error and i think just con confusion did did overstate the 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 significance of the act one yeah. i think a lot of people instantly thought to the war measures act which again this is a different piece of legislation and two you mean you saw and, and i'm not going to blame individuals for this like the literal new york times yesterday was like justin trudeau has suspended civil liberties they tweeted that out <laughs> they like Jeez, and he, eh? he hasn't like he hasn't justin trudeau suspended civil liberties more when he legislated the montreal port workers back to work than he did with the emergency. I don't know, guy. man. How how tinfoil hat do you get with all this when it comes to to things like that? Because a, a part of me, maybe against my better judgment, does kind of think like they have to be aware of the actual ramifications of this sort of action and 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 what it actually means, right? Like, do you think that there's any? I don't know. Is there any party that says like you know they're just kind of fueling this entire uh, conflict? in these terms that are very specific so it doesn't go outside capitalists just arguing amongst themselves into the conflicts that we actually need you know those who are affected and brutalized by capitalism and the capitalists like it's just i don't know i i, I find myself becoming more anybody, and more conspiratorial i don't know if anybody would have done this as a conspiracy or at the very least, I don't know if it worked because, and we haven't seen updated <laughs> point, polling yeah. from Trudeau on the Emergencies Act in particular. But um, if you look at Angus Reid polling, and this was uh, done on February 13th. So I think before the Emergencies Act announcement, uh, and certainly before it's been implemented, um, and uh, they asked people who has made this protest situation worse, uh, 
and I believe every group, it was more worse than better. Because there were some mm. people said neutral. But 42% said that Bergen has made it worse. That's the conservative interim leader. Um, 49% Jason Kenney. That's the Alberta premier. 50% Ford and 65% Trudeau. Mm -hmm. So the key political voices in this, you know, leader of the opposition, two of the biggest premiers, uh, the ones that have kind of been most vocal during this are, and most affected, and the prime minister, they've all been seen as doing, uh, making it worse. Because mm -hmm. um, again, even, even someone like Bergen, it's 42, but that's because a sizable portion of people said, I'm not sure, likely because they don't know who Candace Bergen is, right? <laughs> she's not, like, she's an interim leader. Uh, she wasn't a high-profile conservative. <laughs> is that really. Murphy Brown? I feel like that would be yeah, the question. Yeah, exactly, right? A lot of people... <laughs> so so the, the, the fact of the matter is, if this was done as like, oh, I'm going to seize power in a sense and achieve my objective through allowing this to happen, and then exactly, you know, three weeks later or so, I'm going to in implement the Emergencies Act as a tool to launch a coup against the Canadian state. I mean, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see it. Um, I think, honestly... Um, a bunch of people fucked up. They didn't see this coming or they didn't anticipate its size. Maybe they thought that the trucker protest was coming. It would be decently sized, but that they would be gone by the weekend. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They would leave on the, you know, they'd be gone by the Monday morning or something. And they just decided to stick around. And of course it grew and grew. And at that point, um, you know, it connected to the things at the border, which yeah. made it, you know, an issue of national sovereignty in a sense, when you can't control your own borders, uh, and so all of these layers of government in their own way sort of uh, responded differently. I don't think this uh, was planned from the beginning. And if, yeah. again, if it was, um, it, was uh, it was a failure uh, uh, from, from the federal government especially. Because again, Tr Trudeau, at least as of yet, has not come off looking good. The, the reality, though, is that um, my instinct is that this move will be more popular than unpopular. The, the, the emergency act. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, I don't I think know if for it'll all the be smashingly said, yeah. popular, mm -hmm. but like what we've seen is that the, in general, the polling has been um, against the convoyers and getting worse and worse for them as well. Yeah. The, and I think that is what we're going to tie into uh, now, like generally, if you, if you have an opinion that is you think we have not covered about the Emergencies Act here, a great opportunity to connect with us is on Discord. Uh, Ten bucks for the whole year and you can join up. And uh, yeah, that's patreon.com slash left turn Canada. Some great discussions there. Really, really great to hear from all of y'all. Uh, the other big issue that I, I wanted to to broach with you today, Christo, from the beginning of this convoy, this freedom protest, you know, there was generally different feelings of acceptance or ridicule or fear based on how the convoy shifted and changed, how many people were supporting. I think it's safe to say that for a period of time, it was absolutely dangerous to residents in Ottawa and residents in uh, Toronto and absolutely those border towns like there's there's I think that's a little hard to refudiate at this point but I'm wondering if looking at it now you know a lot of these conflicts are slowly but surely dissolving you mentioned before the the conflicts at the border that reached this international pitch where everyone around the world uh, especially North America we're talking about this those I think in the last couple days have been resolved is there a belief now, though, that this convoy effectively 
got what they wanted. We know what happened in Alberta, the plan to to essentially remove almost any of the precautions that we have for for COVID in that province. We now know what is going to happen in Ontario with Ford getting rid of the passports within the next several weeks with uh Places, public places now being fully, I think of this Thursday, are going back to almost full capacity, almost every sort of business, you know, people and, and Ford even said it himself that people are sick of COVID, which was absurd considering people are still at risk and his government is still making choices that are, you know, making it harder for Canadians that have it or want to not get it anymore. But I, I think the question has to be asked and it's kind of a sobering one. If this protest and and the the acts that they did helped move the needle for these sorts of changes, despite the fact that it wasn't accepted widely in Canada, you made that you know very clear. There's polling that supports that. Do you think that Ford and Kenny and and maybe other uh, premiers have made choices like this because of the convoy, or was this just going to be in the cards anyway because of, you know, the machine of capital? You know, we we can't live that long without it. We've already seen this in the United States. You know, they've essentially in many places just decided, you know, COVID doesn't really exist anymore. And, you know, maybe we're just following suit. For me, I think it's a hard line to parse. What do you think? I mean, I don't know, right? I can see this yeah. in, in from multiple perspectives, right? I think in um, in reality... Um, there is something to be said for victory for the anti-mandate crowd. Now, there's a question of whether or not the convoyers won, because I do think it's likely the case that the governments that are loosening restrictions, in particular, you see it in Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Ontario, to varying degrees, they're they're starting to remove uh, vaccine passport requirements, basically making it so that uh, starting in March here in Ontario, for example, you won't have to show proof of vaccination to go to dinner like you do now, uh, remove uh, capacity requirements, remove masking requirements in some cases, even from places like schools. Um, you know, I don't have the, the entire list of specificity right in front of me for all of the provinces, but basically they're all moving in the coming weeks to like the next month or so to basically fully going back to normal in, in these provinces. Yeah. Even places like BC, which is, I think, maybe more in line, it seems to be more supported. BC is moving uh, away from uh, gathering restrictions, basically allowing full capacity, but still maintaining masking and uh, vaccination requirements. Um, which is, I think, more reasonable. That's a, a new democratic province. But in general, you almost wonder if, like, did the convoy win or was it incidental yeah. to, like, a general conservative move to, you know, reopen, right? It's to the just, wheels to of capitalism, man. Like, it yeah, just the, it the took pressure, too long. Yeah, the political pressure mm. in these parties where the right wings of these parties are frustrated with their 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 leadership and have always sort of wanted the end to restrictions and have now been able to get their way and maybe the convoy was sort of uh you know not not the not the start of the fire but you know uh, an accelerant in the fire you know you threw in mm. some fresh you know kindling into an already simmering fire um on the right and that did kind of give people that last little push to accelerate some of these restrictions I do think that's plausible that mm -hmm. that in some ways the convoy got 
what it wanted. And it also got what it wanted in the sense that they wanted attention. And we've talked about them for weeks now. <laughs> it's one of the few Canadian stories that's consistently broke through in the United States, not just on one night, but this is a frequent topic of discussion, especially on the American right. But even CNN and other networks have given this, you know, sustained coverage. Yeah. Uh, and Chapo's talking uh, about it. Yeah, like you know, American about podcasters it, yeah. and YouTubers are talking about this. I think in that sense, uh, often having bad takes, if I can be frank, <laughs> um, but you know, um, especially people, <laughs> Jimmy Dore, but you know, the, 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 the reality is that, um, they, uh, are talking about it like it's yeah. a big story mm-hmm. like they they got what they wanted in the sense that they you know made international news for weeks and on the I, other hand yeah. i'm not sure right mm-hmm. i mean the emergency and they like they they largely were able to do what they wanted to do um without um without um much pushback from police yeah. without much pushback from government until now um, and so maybe they can see it as a victory. They're not acting as if it's a victory because remember one mistake we all made. And even I think you and I made this to mm-hmm. some degree and we're maybe making it tonight a little bit is that this wasn't really about the mandates, yeah. really about the vaccines, really about the masks. It was largely about white supremacy and hate. And like, remember their goal was like, oh, we want the mandates gone, blah, blah, blah. We also want to overthrow the Trudeau government, <laughs> right? It's almost yeah. like if Trudeau gave in to them on the vaccine, they would still demand Trudeau's resignation, right? Yeah. It's like, we have to remember that. And so, you know, if their goal was like this widespread political change, I don't know if they've achieved it. You know, they have, in a sense, gotten some support from the conservative party. And I think in some ways, you know, the front runner for that, we don't, I think, well, we won't have time to talk about it tonight, but the front runner for that, uh, you know, Pierre Polievre, uh, Pierre mm-hmm. Polievre, um, is uh, is uh, kind of aligning himself with the convoy. But I think a lot of Canadians are frustrated. And if I can if I can read this, there was a there's a, a, a new series of of Angus Reed polling, I believe, and I, I think I have this somewhere in our in our uh, Twitter thing here where it um, where it, it um, goes over the uh the the the, the polling well, yeah so they've, they've lost the yeah. public like they really have in these yeah. first few weeks i remember because we were you were always in touch well, with the polling it, at the beginning yeah. of this there was a lot more support for the general yeah. comments of you know things have gone too long maybe yeah. things need to change a but significant now significant minority they've never yeah. had a majority support pretty much on any question yeah even when it was sort of framed in a positive way for them. But this is of Angus Reid, which is generally seen to be more friendly to the conservatives, although I, I, I'm i not saying they're a biased firm. But, you know, they're like a, they're a polling firm and they say blockade backlash. Three in four Canadians now tell protesters to go home now. And so there's a lot of findings here. Um, and the key findings are the story has caught the attention of many Canadians. Two thirds say they are following it and discussing it with friends and family and three in 10 said they're still paying some attention to it. So basically only 1% of Canadians have not heard about this. <laughs> that is massive. Yeah. Right. So in that sense, they've won in the sense that they wanted attention. They've gotten it. I can't think of an event outside of like, like the Stanley cup, <laughs> 
Maybe the Olympics that's happening now. The Olympics now, are going on now. I forgot. Like, it's yeah. definitely not eclipsing. Yeah. It definitely is you eclipsed know, a, that. A federal like election where, like, not everyone's going to vote, but everyone kind of knows it's happening, like, when yeah. it's happening. I can't think of an event um, that, that gets 99% awareness among Canadians. I just, mm-hmm. I can't, right? Um, but now, hold on, Chris, before you move on there, do you think, and this is my uh, thought on this one, that maybe that has a lot to do, unfortunately, with the the fringes of the extreme that we've seen within that group not anything that's even you know we know it's extreme at its core anyway but the acts of you know the attempted firebombing the attempted sexual assaults the just general yeah. you know the guns that were maybe found in a physical a truck assault but not just attempted but physical yeah. assault against like I'm, I'm wondering just if that Ottawa citizens right wearing masks and getting bullied for it and beaten for it in some cases yeah that has to yeah. be a big reason when I think about it why oh, this yeah, has that much purchase, right? As opposed 100%. to nothing with the ideas, just the general feeling of fear that well, this the, is yeah, happening. The general feeling of fear, people, I, I think, getting mad at protesters blocking borders, people getting mad at blocking stores, people mm-hmm. getting mad, not just in Ottawa, of course, because, again, if the argument that it was only about inconvenience, then you would see the numbers not change much at all. Supporters yeah. would only... Uh, numbers would only drop in 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 Ottawa and maybe in border communities, uh, but like, like right now, seventy two percent of Canadians think they should go home, including a majority from all of the big four parties, including the Conservatives. Fifty three percent of Conservatives say it's time to go home, um, and it notes here um, that, um, and this is a big one here. It says. Uh, overall, have these protests made you more likely to support or oppose any of the following? Wearing a mask in public spaces and vaccine requirements to travel across the border internationally. Again, these were supposedly two of the things they were protesting, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't want to have to get vaccinated to cross the border, even though the vast majority of truckers were vaccinated to cross the border. And they didn't want things like mask mandates and all of that anymore. And yeah. now it says here, that 44% of Canadians in both of those categories are more likely to support a vaccine mandate than they were before. Yeah. <laughs> 24% are less likely or more are, are, are more likely to oppose the mandate, but 32% are neither. So in essence, almost half of Canadians polled are more against the truckers' extensive main goals again we know the main goal was hate and white supremacy blah 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 (laughs) but the extensive main goal stop the mandates they have lost in that sense yeah the public is more against them than they were at the onset of the protests well that tells you what this is about then like that really speaks to what this entire endeavor in canadian history was really about why do we remember it why has it taken over the minds of the international community because of the acts of terror and hate and violence. What has it done for the actual supposed ideas behind it? Made it worse for those that supported them to begin with. So this, at its core, it's like it's a nice little bow, isn't it, Christo, on what this movement is. It's always been about hate. We only knew about it because of the purported violence and the planned violence and the actual violence that happened. And now it's only getting international coverage because of the response to those ideas. So even if you're a conservative that believes in anything close to this, the Emergencies Act isn't happening because you think that 
you think something so radical and, again, and the government don't means to it. stop you. Conservatives like, it's not think that, they should right? go home. Conservatives think they should go home. It should be underlined. The average yeah. conservative voter, 53 to 39, thinks they've had enough. They should go home. And it notes here again, just to further underline this, that, that they've, they've, they've only served to piss off Canadians. It says um, people are now more likely uh, the, the overall given, would you say you support the protesters demand? 64% no, 69% uh, no. It also notes here, um, what does it say here? It notes here that, um, that they said the, the give, uh, are you say, are you more likely to support, uh, support or oppose the protesters demand to end all restrictions? Again, a, a majority of Canadians, nearly, uh, 60%, more than 60%, uh, oppose ending all restrictions and more than 60% also um, uh, say they oppose or strongly oppose the behavior and the uh, uh, goals of the uh, uh, protesters. And again, this is to underline here that uh, I, and why, maybe why Trudeau will get away with this. It says here, like what should be done with the protesters? And it <laughs> notes here that in general, there is more support for force against the protesters than negotiations, at least for most parties. In general, 45% of Canadians say the local and provincial police should enforce the law. That obviously isn't happening. 23% yeah. of Canadians, though, say the military should be called in. That, you know, Ooh, geez, uh, as eh? opposed to only 26% saying they should negotiate with the protesters. Yeah. Right? And 7% do nothing, let the protesters stay as long as they want. But in essence, the, you know, support between police enforcement and military enforcement adds up to 67, 68% support among Canadians, including the vast majority of liberal NDP and bloc voters and nearly half of conservatives. Nearly half of conservatives want the either the police or military to remove these protesters if they will not leave. Man, right? so it, it, it's amazing to look at just the complete antipathy from everyone for this movement, yet it still is getting this international and national purchase. The actual thoughts and, and goals were not achieved. Maybe not because we are seeing some of these. It's hard to see if they're connected. I guess the question should be asked, you know, any left wing movement here in Canada can't won't be under the same guise of uh, hiding your hate and the real hate behind it. it won't it won't have those same ideals. It just won't. Is there anything that can be learned from this sort of movement? Because practically, I think we do know something that that truckers do have a, a little bit of purchase when you have this massive rig that you can shut down the core of the city if you just don't give a shit. So I, yeah. I'm wondering if there's anything else beyond that one true I mean, I'm fact. I'm not fully <laughs> convinced of that because, like, I mean, I, they could have still removed them. Yeah. You know, well, I don't know. I'm Some people, fully, I mean, I get it. Like, You're right. It, with the big trucks, it is different than if people are just walking as individuals or if they're using standard yeah. cars. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I don't know how much can, we can yeah. learn. Go ahead. Sorry. I, mean, I don't know if you saw, but at one of the borders where the protesters were leaving, they were literally hugging the cops. Did you see that? They were what? There yeah, there was a video here. Uh, I, I put it in our in our in our group chat thing. Let's look. Uh, and uh, this was shared uh, about twelve hours ago now, or Mo Monday morning or. Uh, Tuesday morning, uh, we're recording Tuesday night, 
Coots uh, Coots police honors, greets, and hugs truckers who have blocked the U.S.-Canada border for 18 consecutive days. They're literally hugging them. Uh, as one person noted on Twitter, this is like the good game, good game version of white nationalism. You know, if you're like, you're all just like shaking hands, singing "Oh Canada." Let, know, let's have some orange slices, folks. Y'all did really yeah. well. Well, exactly right. They're singing "Oh Canada," just like just absolute ridiculousness, Holy right? Like, shit. I, don't I don't know, know how that. much the left can learn here, yeah. because the game will not be played the same. Uh, even if it was a fully white. Even if every one of the left-wing protesters was white, no indigenous people or, or people of color, to even add the racial element, if this was a group of white, say, steel workers or auto workers doing this, they would have been crushed by now, right? Yeah. Like, the, the reality is that, like, it's both, it's ideological, it's class-based, and it's race-based. And the fact is, I don't know how much we can learn in that sense, because they will treat us differently. The media will treat us differently, both foreign and domestic. Um, the police will treat people differently. The politicians will treat people differently. 100%. I mean, many of these people opposed indigenous blockades, both the cops yeah. and the, 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 the people doing the blockades. They've opposed worker strikes. They've opposed protests against pipelines, mm -hmm. right? They don't like blockades except for their one particular <laughs> blockade, right? Yeah. It's what um, we've seen in the United States uh, when pro white supremacist protesters saying, you know, BLM protests are the real enemy. They shouldn't be allowed. But I'm yeah, going to make sure you can't go 100%. into this Hardee's because I want you to hear that uh, vaccines are the devil. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so one thing I would say. Um, w one thing I would say is that. It's tough. It is like because it, it is so different. The one thing I would say that we could learn is framing is really key. Mm. And again, it's still you're still playing on a different field. Yeah. You're but because again, the media will be again the media just instantly bought these fuckers framing. They just Man, bought it. They really were feeding this idea that it was a working class movement. Yeah, yeah. As it was going and through so, Alberta, it was like, look at all these, yeah. you know, really down to earth working class people going to yeah. Ottawa, you know, uh, trying to fight for your rights. It changed. Absolutely. Yeah. But man, those first couple days was just embarrassing. And that's how it takes sometimes, right? And it, yeah. they, they and they had that framing until they actively lost it with the literal Nazi flags yeah. and, 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 and the, 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 Almost Violence. burning down building. Like, you had to actively lose that framing. <laughs> You're literally having that Pat King guy with the videos of him talking about the strength of Anglo-Saxon blood. You know, like some <laughs> kind of racist probably, Dracula. They still yeah. probably would have held on to some political cachet if they just left after the weekend. Like, I still yeah. think they would have had more, be seen more positively in the eyes of mainstream media, absolutely, than land defenders are if they had just left after a couple days. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Which is, like, I, so I agree fucking wild, case. man. Um, once, so, in that sense, I think the left has to look at political marketing. We can be better at that. We have to look at ways in which we can frame our movements to be more instantly identifiable with what the majority of Canadians want. Because the reason why this happened, even if it was never super popular, by framing it as, you know, a working class blue collar Joe and Jane protest for workers' freedom and basic rights, 
they were able to win a lot of support. They didn't say, hey, this is going to be a petty bourgeois uh, racist rally in Ottawa with some Nazi shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they were smart about it in that sense. Yeah. One thing I would say we can't... So, in, in that sense, we got to be better at political marketing, understanding the reality that it'll always be harder for the left because we will not be given the benefit of the doubt by most of media, you know, uh, by most mainstream media. Um, one thing I will say is that there is a lesson to be learned in the power of local organizing. Mm-hmm. Um, because what we did see in Ottawa in particular, but not just in Ottawa, is that when the community got together to push back, uh, you know, led by regular folks, sometimes by politicians, Joel Hardin, who is the uh, member of provincial parliament from Ottawa Centre, and he's, you know, before he was a an NDP MPP, he was, you know, a community activist and student activist and environmental activist. He and other people organized counter-protests and helping the community. And they found success in holding back some of the mm-hmm. worst excesses of the of the convoy where the police in, failed and, they found success yeah, well, yeah well. where the police failed in many ways or or where the police didn't try yeah uh, or both um and in edmonton there was a there was a great uh there were there were, there were protests blocking roads from where truckers were suspected to go even last weekend i believe there was a bl- a bike a bike and person blockade in vancouver of trying to block truckers. There were counter protests all over the place. And I think that those movements um, had an outsized effect. And I think it underscores the need for local organizing because that really did play a meaningful role in changing the narrative. And I think it played a meaningful role in getting people involved in protecting their own communities. And I think it made a lot of people feel like we're not alone in this, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, insofar as politicians have done anything, and I, you know, Jagmeet Singh and the NDP have made it a point of, like, talking with the community, getting a sense of how this is affecting people, you know, really looking at the personal. I think that's important. Again, I don't know if that's the big solution because like fundamentally, if it really came down to it, I don't know if we could or should demand of, you know, community organizers to go down there and and, and remove the truckers by force. Yeah, it's a little dangerous. Like, I don't like, know. Like, right. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's like, uh, you know, if it really came down to that, I don't think we should ask you know, civilians to go down there and say, you know, you actually literally have to fight the truckers. You literally <laughs> have to go there and blow up their trucks and and hot wire them and remove them and 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 and, and fight to the death in some cases with these these mm-hmm. occupiers like like at some point you like community defense you know with it, 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 you know might not be enough but yeah. the reality is that they played a massive role in 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 changing mm-hmm. the tone in Ottawa and they really proved the failure of police and I think that is. Uh, uh, something important to know. And, and yeah, maybe a, a political goal here is to remind Canadians of the failure of police here through a mm-hmm. mixture of police failing because, um, you know, maybe they they were caught off guard, but also police failing in, in part because they wanted to fail. We've seen lots of videos. Because they supported right? this. Because We saw that video the board, of the, of the police officer who was, you know, talking to somebody. They were sitting in their truck and they filmed the police officer talking to them and 
he basically uh, offered his support. We saw uh, police officers hugging. Mm -hmm. We saw police officers at Parliament uh, helping the uh, convoy people rebuild one of their tents when it got blown over by the wind. <laughs> um, we also we saw no fewer than two elite, like special forces military figures, um, be involved in the organizing of the uh, convoy and are apparently being removed from the armed forces. But you've seen significant support from police and in some cases military for this. Yep. Maybe Canadians should be reminded of that fact. And, and, and I think what we have to do to some degree as the left is be a little careful and, and not, and not necessarily demand that these guys get their heads cracked in like uh, our side does. But maybe suggest to people that every protester deserves the patience yeah, no, that's, that's and lack shit. of head crackingness. Yeah, that's that liberal these shit. Guys man. Don't got. don't say that. That's liberal shit. That's what they want to yeah. say. We don't <laughs> yeah. we don't need to say that. We can recognize yeah. like people should not be hit in the head with nightsticks. Yeah. And it you know, it's as much as it is nice to see an individual who's a, a horrible, you know, hate monger, we realize the state should not be doing that. Let, let's move on. Uh, I do like that the long answer to my question, you know, what can we learn from this is it's completely different. We would have, it's framed a thousand percent different. We are the losers at the beginning. The only thing we have to learn is we have to come together like that. That's, that's what I got from yeah. your take there. And I, I agree. I think that is the general. Well, one argument was made by Tyler thing. and a lot of people, whether, and this is from people who both support and don't support the emergencies act. Some people saying that one of the reasons we need the emergencies act in some ways is that we have not yet built the capacity for community defense and other people saying that we community defense is the only way forward. What we saw in Ottawa brewing, um, is what we should have continued doing and yeah. leaned into that, right? Um, mm -hmm. But in any case, I think the left is broadly in agreement that um, uh, an, or, uh, an organized and assertive left movement, whether it's based in the labor movement and other groups and just uh, community individuals, is important. Absolutely. And with that, where I'm looking at the time, we got to close things out. We have the question from Discord. It's a nice one to end with. It's a little more yeah. positive in notes from VMars. And again, if you want to ask a question, head to Discord and go to patreon.com slash left turn Canada or tweet at us at left turn Canada. And we try to answer at least one a week and, and talk a lot more on the Discord. VMars asks, things feel very discouraging right now. What, if anything, gives you hope? Mine is a simple one. I've been reviewing the new Horizon Forbidden West game, which stars a female character, and it's it's absolutely phenomenal. It is one of the best games I've played in years, and I think everyone listening to my voice would really, really enjoy it. Christo, anything else? I mean, things things largely suck, right? <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, I've been what about playing soda pop. The, you like soda? Yeah, yeah. I've been playing the new Pokemon game. Oh, it's, it's good, fun. eh? Yeah, it's been fun. Um, you know, just I, I do see, um, despite all of this, the fact that everyone hates the truck. As I've noted, I think that's kind of encouraging that mo for the most part, people hate these, these yeah. a-holes. Um, but uh, in general, I think we have a lot of work to do. But, you know, maybe seeing those those community protests was was pretty encouraging to me. That there did make go. me feel pretty good. All right, so we'll hear from y'all next week. Thank you.